0: Let's take a page break. I'm Jeremy. I'm Madison. This is the show where me and Madison talk about screenplays and then the movies that are birthed from them. Every
1: episode, one of us will pick a movie or television show to analyze and compare,
0: and then see where the conversation shall take us. And it's my pick this week. Yay! Uh, and I picked, I picked like the hardest possible one that we could ever possibly do.
1: Right, like this is an act of true love,
0: <laughs> Madison. Thank you so much for doing this movie. I did not realize it would be such a to do um, because I haven't read the screenplay in a very long time. and didn't quite understand how long it was. It's very uh, long because because William Goldman does not care whether you're reading this expediently or not. And the movie we're talking about is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Paul Newman is Butch Cassidy, and the Sundance Kid is Robert Redford. Catherine Ross is Etta Place. Dynamite's ready, Butch.
1: Well, that ought to do it.
0: Directed by George Roy Hill and written by the probably the most acclaimed screenwriter of all time, William Goldman. You might know his stuff. He's also written All the President's Men, and he is the novelist and screenwriter for uh, The Princess Bride. So, Madison, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, had you ever seen this movie before we started talking about it?
1: I have not. Had not. It okay, was, okay. It was an experience. <laughs> I, Westerns are not my thing, but mm-hmm. I appreciate them. Once I began to like dig into them, which is, I had never really watched them growing up. And um, it wasn't until college, really, that I got into westerns at all. And mm-hmm. I think the process of like trying to figure out what's happening within the movie is what gave me a little bit of an appreciation for them. So right. I definitely like the movie.
0: This was a movie that I had a VHS of that got. Worn to shreds. It was a movie my father showed me at a young age. We bonded over westerns a lot. And I loved this one specifically in ways I could never really articulate as a kid. But then as I grew up, I found on the VHS tape, there was a 40-minute documentary behind the credits. Oh talking about the making of the film, which you can actually see for free on Amazon Prime. I I highly recommend anybody watching it because it's incredibly well done. It's got the director basically narrating the making of the movie. It's fantastic. But that was the first time I'd ever actually cognized the making of a film and the writing of a movie and how all those things kind of seamlessly kind of meld together. It was incredibly eye-opening but also gave me further appreciation for this movie and all of the very intricate detail that went into it and how expertly made it is now here's the thing about the screenplay for butch cassidy and the sundance kid (laughs) it is a beast uh what is the total page count it is 100 uh, 185 pages now anybody who knows anything about screenwriting knows that there is a cutoff point (laughs) usually with most things you want to write because basically the way screenplays break down is it's essentially a page equals a minute of screen time most movies are about two hours long Rule of thumb for most screenplays is you want it to be about 120 pages or less. Preferably less, usually less. William Goldman doesn't give two shits and wants to write his movie his way. But the reason this isn't a three and a half hour long movie is because he structures his screenplay much differently than any other screenplay I've personally ever written. Of, mm-hmm. And I've never, and I'm honest to say I've never written read any of his other ones. He doesn't use scene descriptors. He doesn't use slug lines. What he uses are little blurbs to describe cuts in the actual scene. If you've ever had a screenwriting professor ever tell you not to direct on the page, <laughs> uh, you can show them the screenplay and tell them to go to hell. Because Goldman explicitly directs on the page with every single choice that he makes from moment to moment. I
1: think a lot of that has to do with, like, if you're going to do it, commit. If you're going to do it, do it really well. You have to have it to where there is no doubt about your skill before you can break some of those rules.
0: Like, here's the thing about this script and its structure. It's weird Mm -hmm. to read, but as you read it, it weirdly reads more like a movie than a normal screenplay. Because it is cut to cut to cut to cut. You don't have to to imagine what you're seeing even when dialogue is being said. Because he's explicitly telling you.
1: It almost reminds me of, like, a combination of a play and a book and a screenplay.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because
1: it just uses any and every form of storytelling to, like, get the point across. Mm-hmm. So you've got stuff from where it's, like, directing the cameras, and then you've got a man idly wa- walking around a corner of the building, right. but a, a man is above. So it's kind of, it reminds you a little bit of a play, but then...
0: Well, and, and, and this is actually a very good screenplay to look at. When we're talking about Adaptation mm-hmm. from page to screen. Because while Goldman is explicit about every single detail of every single scene to the nth degree, to the movement, to the shot, to who's being seen, that is not at all how the movie actually turns out. This is not one of those, like a lot of times when you read screenplays, they'll be like... The final revisions, which basically means the movie's been kind of cut together and made. They're fixing all the things to where the screenplay looks like the movie for awards or stuff like that. This is not like that at all. This is basically Goldman's big opus draft, which then Roy Hill took and was like, "Okay, great. I'm going to use most of this. I'm not going to use all of this. And a Mm -hmm. prime example comes early on in the script, Uh, even in the first two scenes which in the movie take up about i don't know 3 minutes 4 minutes in the script it's a good 12 pages <laughs> of butch casing the bank mm-hmm. and and of sundance in the poker game the thing about the difference is between them is in the script there's explicit cuts in every one of those scenes of people and you mm-hmm. see them and it's and it's very literal in the movie it's much more impressionistic the entire poker scene with sundance essentially is one shot of Robert Redford dealing the cards while things are going on around him. You don't break from that a lot. You don't see the guy that he is getting into an argument with until very late in that sequence because it's all on him and his reaction. It's playing off the acting as opposed to playing off the explicit, got to see this guy, got to see this guy, got to see this guy. It's letting moments kind of simmer in a way that the screenplay doesn't.
1: I think that the screenplay kind of gives you, like, mental direction instead of Mm -hmm. camera. Like... Yeah. It might feel directional because of the way he's cutting, but it's more so for your interpretation.
0: It's like... It
1: just forces you to picture, okay... I think it's a little bit more for your brain than for the camera.
0: That makes a lot of sense, and honestly, I can see the interpretation of this going to where it's like all these beats are here, mm-hmm. and they're translating in a way that as you read it, you watch the movie, but that's also something that can be adapted very well right. into something that is because I think the, the the big difference between and we'll get into this. The big difference between the movie and the screenplay to me is the screenplay is about men that really existed contemplating the end of their existence yeah the movie in its re kind of construction of things is about this fatefully doomed pairing of men who don't know they're extinct and are weirdly immortal because of it um, and we and we can and and, I, and I'll get into why I think that as we kind of go. Um, it's a lot of things that like I didn't realize were ever in the screenplay that were part of the movie, but are in different yeah. sections. And we'll get into that as we kind of go through the script. Um, but the first thing I would like to talk about is in the redirection of screenplay to movie are a few little moments in the beginning, which show the strength of changing small things and of direction and how that can really. Specify the direction of your movie. Then um, the first thing is in that opening poker scene mm-hmm. where Sundance is about to square off with this guy who calls, says that he's cheating. And once Butch lays down the name of the Sundance Kid, the guy understands, oh, no, this guy's the greatest, best gunfighter in history. I will die if I draw on him. So he doesn't. And he says, OK, it, you guys can leave. And Butch and Sundance are heading out. And in the scripted version, the man named Macon in the script, who has a whole descriptor, by the way. In the script, he's described as the bar bar owner. He's got like, like every bit about him is described to intricate detail, and he's like barely in the movie. He's not important (laughs) at all. It could just be like, man, And he says all the same lines. It doesn't really matter.
1: I I, I even was. I was like, wait, did I miss who Macon was?
0: (laughs) He will never come back. He will never come back again. He is not important. He's (laughs) just a man who calls out Sundance for cheating. But he's not cheating. Um, But anyway, in the scripted version, he walks away and Macon turns to him and says, hey, kid, hey, kid, how good are you? And Butch and Sundance stop. And Butch turns to Sundance and says, don't just stand there. Show the man. And then he grabs a bunch of poker chips and throws them in the air. And then Sundance turns and just pow, 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 shoots all the poker chips. Like you do. <laughs> like you do. Except for one. Except for one poker chip that he misses. And Butch, at the end of it, looks down at that chip, tosses it aside, and walks out with Sundance and says, like I told you, over the hill. <laughs> and then they move on to go to, to, go to um, hole in the wall. But the movie doesn't do that. It keeps the dialogue, mostly. But what it does is so interesting to me, and I don't know how you feel about this. Is in the movie, the man says Butch is picking up the chips off the table. Sundance is walking away, and the man turns and says, "Hey, kid, how good are you?" And in the same shot, you see Butch run the fuck away because <laughs> he knows what's about to happen. Sundance turns, draws his gun, and fires, blowing off the guy's belt, and then firing, shooting his gun, pow, 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 away towards in the corner. And then Butch walks up with the money in his hand and he laughs and he says, like I told you, kid, over the hill. And the difference there is very distinct. It's that in the screenplay, Butch is contending, yeah, kid, you're not as good as you used to be because you missed one. You wouldn't have missed one before. In the movie, Butch is joking. Because it's like, no, you're, you're not really. I just pretend that we we, we we pretend that we are, but we're really not. We're just as good as we always were. We're not the ones that have changed or have aged. It's the world around us that is changing. And that distinct difference of Butch and Sundance fading in the screenplay as opposed to being this, these kinds of solid bastions of who they always were in the movie, I think directly correlates to a different – Viewing of what we're talking about about these two men as opposed to what the screenplay is saying about men who actually existed.
1: I wonder if that has anything to do with how they went back later. Because I, I was really interested in this movie just because of the time that it was made. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, 1969. But yet, like, it's it's straddling this, like... Modern take of a western, and it's it's oh, yeah. even straddling genre because I mean, you know, is it or isn't a western? Um, and I read that the studios didn't really like the idea of them like running away to Bolivia, right? Like they didn't mm-hmm. like they didn't want to portray, you know, this western hero quotation, hero of <laughs> like being scared or running away or like right and there was even <laughs> there was even um this one thing that i read where it was like they couldn't get any studio to to get on board with it because they were like well we don't like that they go to bolivia like keep them in america and they f- yeah they finally found one place that would take them and they were like yeah, we'll, we'll buy the rights, but we we got to keep them. You got to keep them in America. <laughs> and he was, but it's like, like
0: Butch and Sundance really died in right, Bolivia, yeah, though. It's like that's like, the story But that really
1: happened. So that's what he said. He he went back to the studios and he was like, but that like the real story is that they went to Bolivia, and verbatim they said, "I don't give a shit." John Wayne doesn't run away. Oh God.
0: <laughs> John Wayne, John Wayne's also not real. Right.
1: So, like, I think that that's really interesting because I I think that influenced kind of, like, some of the differences between the screenplay Mm -hmm. and then how they went back and edited the movie.
0: Right. Well, well, because there's another thing that's interesting is, like, in the screenplay, the gang is called Butch Cassidy and the Wild Bunch Mm -hmm. because that was what really the gang was called. But there was a movie that had just come out called The Wild Bunch by Sam Peckinpah, <laughs> which was very much a modern, bloody, violence-driven Western mm-hmm. um, that was of this new ilk of displaying the West as something that wasn't just you know white hats and black hats and good guys and bad guys this kind of muddled middle ground so they had to change it to the Hole in the Wall Gang Goldman's screenplay is trying to make a middle ground between what the movie became and I think something more akin to the Wild Bunch which right. is like when there is blood spilled it's spilled when there, when people die it is brutal that's um, very but- apparent in it too. Mm-hmm, for sure, And, like, every time somebody dies, it, it matters. Uh, and, and, and it is a point very much made in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the movie's point is more that, like, Butch and Sundance are essentially good guys that like to steal. <laughs> and the, the first time they ever actually kill anybody
1: yeah.
0: is weirdly when they went straight.
1: Yeah, was that the when they took the, the coins? When
0: they took the job uh, as as the uh, payroll guards on the Bolivian mine train right, yeah. and, and they got robbed, the, the first time they've ever killed a person is when they had to get that money back, when they went straight. Nowhere before then does, does mm-hmm. Sundance ever shoot anybody or Butch ever even draw his gun. They – were good guys, quote unquote. They were they they tricked people into giving them their money. They 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 pretended to be old ladies with their voice to get money from people. They used explosion. Like they never actually wanted to hurt anybody. And then like they were kind of
1: a con they man were, on pu- a horse. <laughs> kind of yeah and they were
0: pushed <laughs> into it weirdly by people trying to hunt them down.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, which is how the movie portrays them. I think the the screenplay Demonstrates the slight hypocrisy in that Mm -hmm. a lot more acutely, especially with a sequence we're going to talk about later that's not in the movie, which is the movie sequence, which I thought was incredible when I read because I've watched this movie my entire life. I didn't know that was in the script. But anyway, we'll get to that. Let's kind of go first act and kind of where our big kind of turns are and kind Mm -hmm. of where things break down from there as opposed to kind of how the film does it. Where do you think the big story turns are and how do you think that kind of plays in the first act
1: I mean the the whole scene where they start running away from the people chasing them right mm-hmm. where is that in the
0: whole structure of the movie right like right well like i would i mean my, i would contend that you can loosely break down this movie and i'm saying loosely especially from the screenplay the movie into segments that are bookended by musical interludes which was a very distinct structural thing that Goldman wrote into the script was that there would be three musical interludes in this movie that used essentially as like emotional thoroughfares through the rest of the story. The first one is is raindrops keep falling on my head. The second one is when they're going from America to Bolivia, and the third one is when they their whole robbing banks montage in Bolivia. Oh, right. And and I would contend that the first act is everything that happens, obviously, from the beginning to. The super posse showing up when the second time they rob the flyer right. because before yeah. then before then everything is gravy, mm-hmm. nothing goes wrong right. even when even when the gang feels like they 're going to mutiny, Butch pretty much has it under control and then just kind of takes back power just like he would that 's another thing that 's different between the screenplay and the movie. The screenplay makes a big point of Butch being very scared when that 's going on, mm-hmm. but in the movie, I get the impression that he 's just like. I just have to deal with this now. <laughs> Good God. All right, fine. And, and Which, which, when we get to the end and, uh, and it comes time to name your favorite part of the movie based off the screenplay, uh, that scene is, uh, there's a line in that scene description of that scene, which is my favorite line of any scene description of any screenplay I've ever read in my life. But when it comes to the act break, to me, the act break is when things go wrong, when people start dying, mm-hmm. when Super Posse shows up on that train and Butch and Sundance are like, we have to go, and then they split up, and then you get the whole who are those guys sequence, which is, like, 30 pages. Like, it's a it's a,
1: Right, but, yeah, that's, that's what I was talking about. Like, it's just so much.
0: It's interesting because they aren't heroes in those scenes. They're just running.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What's also interesting that I noticed in this viewing of it is that that is a sequence which, for all intents and purposes, they should die, They should not get away from these guys, yet they do, which as the movie portrays it, I think lends more towards the idea that when you get to the end of the movie and they're in a very similar position, they would think they can get out of that as well. Getting away from the posse and actually having all the forces of the American criminal justice system brought to bear against them, which is what they keep saying. There's like, wait, is that guy? No, he's he's a Wisconsin guy. He would never leave Wisconsin. Oh, that guy. He's from Oklahoma. (laughs) Yeah, that was really funny. They're all coming together to get them because they pissed off the wrong person, which is kind of interesting. It's interesting when you look at just, like, story turns and, like, what ifs and, like, having people make decisions that have massive repercussions. Mm -hmm. If Butch didn't agree that robbing the flyer the first time on the way up and on the way back was a good idea the super posse never would have been created because it's the it's the robbing the first time which led to the robbing the second time and the second time is when they'd already put the posse together cuz he pissed them off so like that it has repercussions throughout the entire rest of the story so yes, yeah, so you have the entire sequence where they're running away from the super posse. They get away by the by jumping into the river. <laughs> that was so funny. It's so great. Oh my god, I love that scene so much. Honestly, so much. my
1: favorite thing about this is just the humor
0: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
1: like the acting and the humor and the chemistry between the two. It's just so good. Like the whole movie reminds me of that Steve Martin quote about comedy, where he says, "You know, comedy is about tension and release."
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that
1: sometimes that is underused in serious films because oh, yeah. there is so much tension. And to me, and maybe I'm biased because comedy is my favorite, but I love, I love that tension release. And this movie has both. You know, you get this like mm-hmm. serious drama, but then like there's so many moments that are just so unexpectedly delightful. It's
0: really great. Like, what's like your favorite like tension breaking moment?
1: Um, I think I have two that stuck with me. One was the... It's towards the beginning, I think, because it was when we first see Etta. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, coming home and starts undressing, and he's like, what took you so long? Oh, right. <laughs> she says, That's what a- took you so long? Because, you know, I had never seen the movie before, so I'm sitting right. there like really shocked like oh my god what's about to happen and then and then she says what took you so long and it's like oh this is kind of a tongue-in-cheek movie and it you know it's that moment of like okay watch out for these moments and then my other one is you know the i can't swim moment because they just like, have a great <laughs> a great laugh about that
0: it's it's just it's just uh butch's like ridiculous laugh at that just the the absurdity of it
1: also the moment where he's in the water he's like floating in the water right before they talk about you know who are they just visually it's funny because he's laying in this water with all of his clothes on and then he gets up sopping wet talking about how they can't they can't follow them on rocks. They can't track him on rocks, but like his wet feet are just like <laughs> making marks on the rocks as he says that. And I'm like, obviously it'll dry, but like there's just little moments like that where it's just so funny. It's like they can't track us over rocks, meanwhile he's tracking footprints all the way up to him. It's just those are the moments that made it great to me.
0: It's it's really like that's the best thing about a lot of this is that like they never and I think this is again something that is in the screenplay, but is essentially in the movie. I don't—you th- th- never hear them actually doubt that they're going to make it out of anything.
1: Yeah. I mean, up until um, the very end.
0: But there's a thing that Goldman does that's very screenwriterly thing where he has Butch say a line multiple times to try to, like, accentuate that as, like, being his thing. And it's the bifocals line where it's like, "I I've got vision. The rest of the world has bifocals.
1: Yes. Oh, my God. I love that.
0: I love that line, but in the screenplay, he says it like four times. Mm-hmm. In the movie, he only says it once. He says it to, to Butch, uh, excuse me, to Sundance as they're walking into a hole in the wall, which I kind of like. Yes, the bicycles.
1: I'm really glad that he didn't repeat it because it's already kind of cheesy. Yeah, it is. So it's I'm good glad as like it's good as repeat
0: it. It's good as like one line that he says that I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah. I, I get where you're coming from here.
1: Well, it shows you who he is very quickly, mm-hmm. even if it is a little cheesy. Like it kind of shows shows his character.
0: It, It's the the kind of line that, like, is half true, but Mm -hmm. also says more about how he sees himself.
1: Oh, exactly, yeah. It's a great way to, like, pick up on, oh, I I see you.
0: Yeah, Butch thinks he's the smartest man in any room he ever walks into. Right. We all know one of those. I don't know what you're implying, Madison. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so to me, the second act continues over through the trip to Bolivia, uh, and the big musical sequence and the and the the whole like um, going to New York and Coney Island and all that stuff in the screenplay that's a lot more spelled out and specific uh, where it's like they have these moments that Goldman really specifies as like they they go get, go ring shopping and then they go to eat and like all these things that are like not story important and frankly you don't need in the actual movie you just need more of the feel
1: I got a little lost around that point not gonna lie yeah.
0: I mean, I feel like this is in a lot of things. When you try to actively describe moments of a montage mm-hmm. in too much detail, I feel like you get lost. Yeah. It's difficult to do.
1: Well, it's like, what's important? Because, you know, mm-hmm. you just kind of—you're trying to assume everything's important. <laughs> and then when you realize, like, oh, wait, that that didn't really have a whole lot of bearing on it.
0: <laughs> right. No, Goldman doesn't seem to care. Right. Moment to moment— the thing he's writing is just he's trying to paint a picture but the problem is when you're reading a screenplay you inherently believe that this is like right. a a document with only what you need to get around like uh-huh. you got enough you can measure it you can picture it you can move on goldman doesn't seem to be doing it. he's writing it in a much more novelistic way where it's just like i'm just going to spend a few pages talking about uh, what they're doing in new york and how they're doing on the boat and no how they get all the way you down like to bolivia him oblivio. so
1: much hmm he's very much what you would do if you could <laughs> You know what? I'm just gonna write until I'm done, and then you can have it.
0: <laughs> are you are, are you logged into my computer reading the thing I'm working on right now? Because that is a it is a concern. I have uh, just read
1: enough of your stuff to know.
0: <laughs> I, I I like to see where things go. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't always go where I want it to, but it goes somewhere interesting. At least you um, go somewhere.
1: <laughs> At least you're writing. <laughs>
0: That's a, great, that's a great slogan, really. So, okay. So we get to Bolivia, mm-hmm. and things screen to movie are pretty similar, except for there's one moment early on after when they're trying to rob their first bank. Yeah. We're in the script. That was great. Butch and Sundance go up to the guy, and he starts speaking Spanish to them, and Butch doesn't know what to say. Yeah. And you hard cut to him talking to Edda later on, teaching them Spanish. In the movie, though, you have this great moment where Paul Newman just – Walks out of the room, leaving Sundance (laughs) there. It's just like, what? I thought you knew Spanish. I thought you knew Spanish. Um.
1: Like those were the best moments to me.
0: Okay, so then very quickly after that initial, the first time they actually robbed the bank, and Butch has to use the crypt notes to get through speaking Spanish. The best, I love that part where he's just like, he's like, he gets to a stopping point where he's like, oh, I don't know the words. And then he goes back <laughs> and he's like, Manos Arriba. And suddenly so, it's like, they're against the wall already. Arriba, they're there already. <laughs> they have their hands up.
1: It's even funnier for me because they do speak Spanish. So, like, I can <laughs> see it from both perspectives, like, from the people's perspective and theirs, of like, like I know that frustration, but also it's hilarious that they're just stumbling so much.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. Um, Okay, so then we go into, I would say probably the first major deviation between script and movie, which is the Bolivian musical sequence, which is written into the script. But in the movie, it encompasses a lot more. In the script... You have the musical sequence take place, but then you see them rob a few more banks, you see them go out to dinner, you have these full-on conversations between Etta, Bush, and Sundance. In in the movie, though, all of that stuff is encompassed in silence over this musical number they have going and gets you essentially to the same place because none of the stuff in the dialogue sequences actually are of major importance. Even the discovery of La Force being in Bolivia is done silently, and frankly, it's all you really need because you already know what's. You already know that image as being something to be afraid of, and it just kind of breaks the good times of. Robbing banks like the good old days, and then it's like, oh no no, America's caught back up to us again.
1: Yeah, I also find it really interesting, like how much emphasis there is on the musical interludes. Like, is that a common thing for westerns? I've only seen a handful, or was this more of like a personality thing? It's not
0: really. Um, most westerns. Here's the thing about most westerns. Most westerns, and and you talked earlier about how like the studio didn't want to make this movie where they go all the way to Bolivia. And run away. Frankly, that makes sense because classically, westerns are pretty linear, and there's a structure that is very regimented. Um, you have your good boy, you have your good guy, you have your loner, you have your bad guy, you have a woman, and they all kind of intermix and come together for a giant shootout at the end. And the good guys normally win. Sometimes they die, but they always get the bad guy. This is a movie about bad guys, quote unquote. So it's a little bit different structurally, and it's also based off reality. So. What I think Goldman was wanting to use these sequences for is twofold. One, to show the passage of time because you frankly don't want to show 27 banks getting robbed. But then when you go to the, the raindrops are falling on my head sequence, I think Goldman wanted a simple way of articulating that Butch and Etta are also in love. In their own way, because that's important that she loves both men, but she fell in love with Sundance first, so she's with him first. It's not a huge thing. It's not even a rivalry that really kicks up in any real way between Butch and Sundance. They are, they're all acknowledging of it, but it's, it, it, it cements her as the kind of gooey center to this group of men that makes her the one truly human aspect of them.
1: Yeah, that reminds me of my, one of my favorite lines from the beginning where <laughs> it was like, I'm stealing your girl. You can have her.
0: <laughs> it's us take her. Take, take her. her. Take You're a romantic bastard. I'll give you that.
1: But She just looks at him like, what?
0: <laughs> Which in the script, again, in the script there's another line where she says, she turns to Butch and she's like, do you know why I love that man? And Butch is like, no, I don't. She's like... No, really. Do you know? Because I don't. I don't either. Right. <laughs> like, it's it's much... The script is much more overt about that kind of uh-huh. stuff um, than the movie, which is kind of how it should be.
1: Also, can we talk about how amazingly beautiful Catherine Ross is? Like, what?
0: Dude, I mean, she, like, like she it, looks, it's, she's just...
1: She looks...
0: Regal. She's amazing. But, like, kind her. and just, like, understanding but pushes them. Like, it's... Yeah. she's just the best in a in and and she does she humanizes them both like she makes them feel vulnerable mm-hmm. in a way that they never even allow each other to feel and it creates this thing where it's like at the end when she does leave the men are heartbroken
1: right
0: not because of anything beyond they just both love her and they don't want to be away from her
1: i i also think that was an interesting take on the the campfire scene where she it's just like a close up of her face Oh, yeah. When they're, you know, talking about her leaving, but yet we don't get the reactions from anyone else. We only see her reaction.
0: Right. And I think what I think is interesting about that is because in the script, it's written where we see the the camera is written as floating from person to person um, as she's kind of talking this through. Uh, And you're right. In the movie, we just hold on her face. My interpretation of that is this scene is, and the script gets more overt about this. She said early on that I will go with you to Bolivia. I will darn your socks. I will stitch your wounds. I will not watch you die. I'll skip that scene if you don't mind. And her asking to leave without them is in some ways their death sentence. And she, and she knows it. She knows as she's like, I have to go. But I also know that by me leaving, I'm almost fulfilling a prophecy that you guys will die and I will be there to see it.
1: Yeah, it's pretty and powerful.
0: It's, and, and holding on her face
1: mm-hmm.
0: lets you just acknowledge, like sit with her knowing what she's doing. Right. But also knowing she can't stop it. And it's very heartbreaking. And, 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 and in the script, Butch acknowledges that fact where she where he's like, you said you wouldn't stay and watch us die. Do you think we're going to die? And Etta just kind of brushes it off. But the movie never really lets Butch and Sundance understand that. But she does. Like, she is outside of everything understanding that they will die bloody. But Butch and Sundance, I don't think, ever really let themselves believe it.
1: I think that that's... One of the most endearing things about their character. Yeah,
0: they're just kind of oblivious. And I
1: think it it kind of goes into weird jump back to the musical interlude, but I think it goes back to the way the movie is telling the story of, like, these legends. Because mm-hmm. they kind of became, like, correct me if I'm wrong, like, these legends in Bolivia. Oh, yeah. So they had, like, this whole... <laughs> Afterlife, I guess you could say. And I think that that montage does kind of give you that sense of, like, they became the bigger-than-life or larger-than-life mm-hmm. figures there. Right. Even though they met their own end. But they were believing they were going to survive up until the end.
0: Which leads us into what I think is the most interesting omission from script to movie. Which isn't technically an omission because it is in the movie. It is the Etta, Butch, and Sundance go to the movies sequence, which happens right before Etta leaves Bolivia. In this scene, for folks who have only seen the movie, Etta, Butch, and Sundance are going to see, going to a movie because they've personally never seen a movie before. And Etta's about to leave to go back to America. And as they're watching, the movie that starts playing is about Butch and Sundance. And it's about them robbing the Pacific Flyer the second time and the super posse coming to attack them. And Butch and Sundance literally sit there and watch this movie and are complaining about how it's getting all the facts wrong. It's pretending like the super posse was just gunning them down, (laughs) like the super posse were the good guys, like Butch and Sundance would, would shoot innocent civilians, which they would not do. And then at the end of the movie, within the movie, Butch and Sundance watched themselves get gunned down mm-hmm. by this posse. And they're just sitting there like, we just watched ourselves die. <laughs> and none of it's true. None of that actually happened. We're not these horrible men. Mm-hmm. But the world's thinking that we are. And all these people around us are cheering our deaths as yeah. it's happening in front of them. And amidst all that, Edda just kind of leaves. She, she 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 leaves. She misses. She leaves before she can watch them die, even yeah. on a movie. She I, she misses that scene. Yeah, literally. I
1: mean, I, you have like this, <laughs> a movie within a movie. Legends seeing themselves as legends. You know, like there are so many right. different layers, and then the fact that you know she leaves and can't watch it even on screen does give you her feeling which then humanizes them like you said and then it's just like one big ball of like understanding i
0: guess i'm glad what they did with the actual movie where they didn't use that mm-hmm. it's a little too on the nose yeah
1: it would what, it kind of gives it away a little
0: right and what i like is what they did with cuz they did film all that they filmed the movie then the movie they just put it at the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie as like the opening credit sequence yeah. and what i love is that what it does is it has that opening bit, which in the, in the script, there's this moment where Butch and Sundance are watching with Etta, and the movie says Butch, Sundance, Butch and Cassidy and Sundance Kid and the Wild Bunch, they're dead now, but at one time they ruled the West. And Butch and Sundance are like, we're not dead, we're right here. Like, what, right. what are these people lying? But in the real movie, that is the opening thing you see of Butch, Cassidy, and Sundance Kid and the Hole in the Wall gang are dead now, but one time they ruled the West. And you see the legend of them portrayed and you see this idea of what they were fictionalized Mm -hmm. and then you see them ultimately you don't see the whole posse thing where they get shot and you don't even see the posse you just see them ride off into the into the sunset but what that gives you is the sense that because right after that you get that little coda that says most everything that happens in this is true right this movie feels more like a factual account These men feel more real because we've seen what a fake version looks like. Right, yeah. And it paints them more as these kind of legendary men who really lived, and this is the honest portrayal of who they were, whether it's factual or not. As an an audience member watching it, that's the impression you kind of get, which I think is very – it infects everything else in the movie where you don't want them to be real men with real flaws. You want them to be these men that were oblivious to the world coming around them, that were good men who were doing bad things but didn't want to hurt anybody, who died tragically but also died on their feet with the guns in their hands. Like they become that legend that the movie portrays them as. but They are not the villains. Truly.
1: Yeah, and I think that line, my favorite part of these screenplays have been the the line in the beginning where it you know says <laughs> um, you know not that it matters but what follows is
0: true. That's interesting. Yeah, both movies have had that. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like the fact that both these movies are basically stories about stories, trying yeah. to tell the truth through and through a fake kind of narrative.
1: I mean, cinema man.
0: <laughs> okay, so now let's get into the last sequence in the movie. Which in the script, which is the um, the shootout, the final shootout. Yes. To me, what's interesting, the most interesting about the screenplay versus the movie is the final moments of Butch and Sundance in the script. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, what's happened is Butch and Sundance have been... Targeted by the Bolivian army They're surrounded uh, They've tried to go and get bullets and they got them But they both got severely wounded in the in the struggle Because what I love about this is I like the franticness of how Goldman writes this scene uh, Because in the movie it's like Gunshot cut, gunshot, cut, gunshot, <laughs> so cut. It's so many cuts. It's so many cuts. So uh, many. but it's pay and the gunshots and the foliage pow, 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 pow. It just it propels you forward. But in the script, there's this great uh, bit on page 177 where it's Sundance, now firing with both guns, turning around and around, firing as he spins, and maybe he wasn't the greatest gunman that ever lived, but then again, maybe he was and cut to. <laughs> he doesn't use many periods in this bit. He just has this run long running sentence that goes from cut to to cut to to cut to to cut to. Uh, as the guns are going off But Butch and Sundance have got the bullets But they're both severely wounded They're in the little restaurant And the first difference is A simple one But in the script They've closed a door So they can't see outside at all In the movie It's just kind of an open Kind of doorway uh, They have their dialogue about Australia um, And <laughs> Butch goes Butch says You didn't see La Force, did you? Sundance's like, no and He's like, oh good I thought we were in trouble in the script, that line is not the last line said before they run out. It's just a line. And then after that, they hear the guns and the men and, and, and the advancing troop Bolivian troops that are coming towards them. And in the script, the last thing we basically see of them, they do with the freeze frame, just like in the movie, but the freeze frame is not of them going out guns blazing into a ambush they don't even know is there. Mm-hmm. It's of them contemplating their own mortality as they realize they're about to die. Yeah. Just standing in that restaurant with each other. That epically changes the reading of this movie. They're completely diametrically opposed in what they're trying to say and what they're trying to leave you with, you know?
1: This, <laughs> I love that you had such a strong reaction to the ending because my... You're going to hate me for this, but my only Never. reaction to the ending... One was laughing about their dialogue with the Australia thing at the end, but there were so many gunshots in that cut that, like, I watched it at, like, 7 o'clock in the morning, and my roommate was asleep, and the whole time I was like, gotta turn it down, gotta turn it down. (laughs) So, maybe that, like, ruined my reaction to it, but, like, the whole time I was like, oh, is this necessary? All these stupid guns. And then I saw the horse get, the horse got shot, and I was like, I like westerns, but I... I can't handle the horses dying, so, like, all of my thoughts were so, like, not even in the movie. I was just like, (laughs) are these guns necessary? Oh my god, the horse just got shot.
0: Well actually in that documentary I told you about, they go into it. That they actually did flip that horse um with like a rope gag. Like they it, it's not good. The horse that was not a good thing to do to that horse at all. Um but uh also if you watch that scene, um Sundance should have run out of bullets like ten minutes oh, ago. No uh he's just got like unlimited ammo at that final bit where it's just like prepare, 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 prepare. That that scene to me has always been one of my favorite scenes ever is them sitting in there because basically the way the movie does it is like you have the Bolivian army set up out there, but they yeah. have no idea. Right. They're just sitting there quietly, like just like any other time, trying to figure out how they're going to get out of this, not concerned about their death, not worried about their wounds. They're like, we're going to be fine. We're going to Australia. Now, whether they're just fooling themselves or not, the movie's reading of it is not they're just fooling themselves and making up stuff to make them get through their death easier. It's just, no, we're going to be fine. We're going to get through this. We're going to go to Australia. It's going to be great. Um, but also it's just the the surety of how they run out of the building in the movie and the and just the final line, oh, good, I thought we were in trouble. It's not yeah. ironic. Butch really was like, oh, we're going to be fine. There's just a few guys out there. LaForge isn't out there. If Lafore's isn't out there, we're going to be great. And that kind of blind conviction that everything's going to be fine, that's even on their faces when you freeze frame. Yeah is the lasting impression of this movie and of these men. Mm -hmm. And you just, and I love the movie just fades into sepia and fades into a memory, basically, of who these people were. And you never see them contemplate their own death or actually die. So they are, they become the legends that they were to these people within the fabric of right. the movie because they, we never see their bloody demise mm-hmm. that we keep seeing telling being told they're going to have we know right. it happened but we don't need to see it we mm-hmm. need to see them as the men that they were not the men that they became when bullets riddled them
1: i will say that i really liked the very very end because it kind of recenters you after all of that shooting
0: <laughs> so right. i had
1: that like moment of like oh my god will they ever stop this is so loud. So many cuts. <laughs> what the heck is going on, poor horse? But then they. But then it re-centers you in that like really vulnerable, confident moment
0: mm-hmm.
1: of you know them wounded talking about how they're going to get out of this, and it, right. it does re-center you and it. It brings you back to the heart, of the characters, whether it's true or false. You, you know you're rooting for them, and like mm-hmm. I really like that. That was the ending to this. Very
0: long movie The movie's not that long, it's just a long screenplay <laughs> <laughs> The movie's like an like two and in, two in change, I think it's, it's not horrible Time for favorite on the page moment Oh man uh, I will go first Okay, so my uh, line is frankly my favorite single line of descriptor in any screenplay I've ever read in my life Uh, It's during the knife fight With Harvey Logan When they're about to mutiny from the hole in the wall gang Logan watching him come In the sun his body glistens Butch, moving through the gang toward Logan. He is unarmed and a knife is offered him by one of the gang. Butch, not yet. Moving up to Logan now. Not till Harvey and me get all the rules straight. Logan, rules. In a knife fight? No rules. As he finishes speaking, Butch delivers the most aesthetically exquisite kick in the balls in the history of the modern American cinema. <laughs> that's it. Oh my god. <laughs> that's, my, that's my favorite. Just, just the eloquence of a very simple action. Yeah. And he's not wrong. It, it, it very well might be the most aesthetically exquisite in the balls in the history of modern American cinema. I can't think of a better one. It's kind of incredible. Uh, and then I just love the next moment where he's just like, well, if everybody, if if nobody wants to put the rules down, might as well get the fight started. Somebody shot one, two, three, go, and the but- Sunday it's is immediately it says Sunday, it's like a shot. One, two, three, go. And the Butch just smacks him in the face. It's so great. <laughs> I love it so much. Alright, your turn. Mine
1: is on page eight. I love it. And it it's not even like I I don't know. It was the moment in the screenplay where I was like, "Oh, this is going to be very different." <laughs> <laughs> and it was um where he's describing the cuts that will happen oh. between Butch and the Mustache Man. The cuts will include the following: A, Macon's hands, B, a window and sun streaming in, and does it hit anybody's eyes? C, the area behind the mustache man, and is there anyone dangerous there? D. Macon's eyes. E. The area to the side of the mustache man, and there is some room to move. And I'm like, what? Like that was the moment where I was like, "Oh wow, okay, what? This is interesting." Which is
0: funny because none of that is in the movie.
1: Right? It's I, I see why.
0: Because <laughs> it, it's 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 all cuddy and all this stuff. When you just need you just need something else to stand up.
1: Yeah, it, it's just. Just like, look at him. I was like, "Wow, that's interesting and unnecessary."
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? But you know what you can also do now is because you put that fake movie in the beginning. You know what the Sundance Kid looks like. Mm-hmm. So you know Robert Redford is the Sundance Kid. So you don't have to have him do this like Daredevil style, like zoom and enhance spider sense thing. You're like, oh no, this other guy's fucked. <laughs> this is this is the Sundance Kid. Like you don't like you don't need to spell it out that acutely.
1: But I also think it's interesting that he did it with the A B C D E because right? he didn't do that with any of the other quick cuts I don't think not really
0: I, I don't think so either so but I guess I'm like, that's what That ha- was
1: the point. <laughs> like I'm not I, I just I think it's interesting. Not good or bad. I, I just think it's interesting.
0: It is. But I wonder if it's a lot of it is because if you wanted to change it, you'd have to literally put paper into a typewriter and right. redo it. Yeah. You know what I mean? We can't you. can't just snip it and like and like fix it. You just have to like find a spot. Fucking type 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 tap Which thank Christ we don't have to do that anymore.
1: Yeah, that that would be. It's just
0: like it's a lot of time. Honestly, but here's the thing though, and this is kind of a side thing. It also would lead to a lot of good rewriting. If it forced you to rewrite every single thing you write, if you want to rewrite something, it would force you to reconsider every single choice you make, which is probably not a bad thing.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, my favorite part was the, like, very strange inclusion of the (laughs) alphabet in the cutting system.
0: I love it. I love it. Like,
1: okay. I mean, it gets the point across. Like, okay. Other than all like other than all of the other quick cuts that Empire I have very reform. explicitly told you about, these are some these are some special ones that which I want aren't you to pay actually going to matter and aren't to. actually going to
0: even be in the movie. Fucking Wait, William I just, Goldman, man! I think
1: that's fascinating.
0: <laughs> <sighs> all right, Mads. Well, thank you for going on this um, western journey with me uh, through one of my favorite movies. I know it was it was the struggle was long. And difficult, but I hope you enjoyed it as much as I do.
1: I am a better person for it.
0: That's all we can hope for, in all honesty. All right, folks. Well, that's the end of Page Rick for this week. I'm Jeremy. I'm Madison. And Brick.